welcome to the Marvelous Post Flip Podcast, a podcast on all things Marvel on the Fangirl Zone. I'm Sean Fangirl S. <laughs> and I'm Steve. I'm Mischievous Dane. Today we're talking about episode two of season one of What If, titled What If T'Challa Became Star-Lord. It's written by A.C. Bradley and directed by Brian Andrews. Okay, so initial reactions for the episode. Steve, what did you think? I enjoyed the hello out of this one. <laughs> <laughs> so many amazing Easter eggs in there that it was just... Dave, 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 yeah. Dave. What, 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 what? I was actually going to ask you before he started. Do you think Steve found <laughs> well, a bunch kind of, of Easter eggs? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Steve found all of the Easter eggs? Oh, Lordy. <laughs> This is all my fault. <laughs> I tried to oh, warn Dave, you. What you think of the last setup? Eh, I'm like, it's okay. Steve's like rubbing his hands. Oh, good, good. <laughs> I go back the old ways. <laughs> all right, Steve, I really didn't mean to cut you off, but I had, I had to ask Dave what he thought about that part. Yeah. <laughs> I enjoyed it. It was a lot of fun and definitely wasn't expecting it to play out the way it did, but I'm glad it did. That's for sure. Yeah, I thought it was pretty awesome. I, I'm not rating it, but I gave it five out of five Captain Genocides. I thought it was great. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to make a joke about genocide, you know. Right. <laughs> I personally liked it. I was like really interested in this one and, and kind of sad actually when it started, which I think everyone probably in the same boat because we knew Chadwick Boseman had done, I want to say it was two episodes as T'Challa and he voiced, and this is the last that we're actually going to hear him as T'Challa. So it was a little sad. And then of course the caption at the very end got me. And I'm like, uh, oh. why? Of course, why? I'm like super emotional anyway. Uh, <laughs> and. I mean, overall, I really liked it, though. I was like, ooh, what's this, what's this? And I will tell you, the guys know, I went to the Marvel exhibit in Chicago, and, like, I was trying to read, like, everything that they had, because I'm like, we have to go back and watch What If again. Because I'm sure there's stuff that I learned at the exhibit that probably played in here. And there was a couple little things, and it was so cool. I'm going to post some pictures, though, on our Facebook page, because we happened to get costumes from black panther so i will post those pictures and some other things that tie into this episode nice so i have to ask you guys in the page flips in the beginning and in the shard did you see ghost rider or was i the only one who's seen ghost rider in the shard (laughs) i didn't see it yeah i don't (laughs) yeah i don't think i caught that either i i tried to look at all of them yeah i wonder what that portends well maybe that's the one with that'll have something to do with colson yeah because i swear it was ghost rider and i swear it plays in again with something i happened to see at the exhibit when they were like first introducing ghost rider so i'm like what else am i gonna see do i see punisher do i see any x-men like i'm like really trying (laughs) to watch those now so if anybody out there happened to see it or something else you know let us know and now I will pass the baton off because <laughs> I can totally go down the rabbit hole with those shards, too. So. <laughs> so we have a brief episode recap. The rough and tumble space pirates known as the Ravengers abduct T'Challa instead of Peter Quill. Such a happy bunch, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I want to see that movie. This will have to do. So kicking things off with the riff in the opening sequence of 2014's Guardians of the Galaxy. Was it really 2014? Ouch. Yes. Back. <laughs> 
<laughs> the episode begins with Star-Lord in pursuit of the Power Stone, only things got a little better from this version of the outlaw. After running into Korath Prosur, I love these names, who's a big fan of his work, which is so funny, yes. and some of Ronan's henchmen, T'Challa gets away with the orb, holding the Infinity Stone with some help from his trusted ally, Yondu. Again, voice awesome. everybody, right? <laughs> I'm a big fan of your work. Oh, that God. was killing me. I'm like, wait, what? Oh, my God. It was so funny. <laughs> he wants to be punched, too. Can I punch you? You can punch me. Can I shoot you? That's what the we're introduction, here for. Yeah. The introduction sequence, James Gunn gave Chris Pet Starlord his animated almost shot for shot with T'Challa in place of Peter Quill. We get exactly the same Morag subtitle. Starlord pulling the power stone from its cage with a star-shaped magnet device and then the arrival of Ronan's goons for where the thief can leave. There was a neat visual nod to the wider MCU, what if, changes the eyes of Star-Lord's mask with the red to purple, a color closely associated with the Black Panther. That's cool. I didn't catch that. Yeah. Wakanda's purple motif comes from the heart-shaped herb that uh, rulers ingest to inherit the spirit of the Black Panther. But it could be an eclipse, though. No, no crossover. No crossover. <laughs> Actually, we, we did get to crossover collector episodes. Yeah. Why us? Rumbled by Korath and, and his two masked goos, T'Challa prostitute. He's just an ordinary junker. I love that voice. Yeah. He may not exude the same coolness, but Peter Quill says something very similar in the Guardians of the Galaxy, frantically trying to convince Korath that he's just a junker. The mirror dialogue is completed when Korath uses Peter Quill's legendary outlaw in the same sequence. In What If, greatest twist on the MCU continuity so far, Korath has a very different reaction when he encountered Star-Lord. During Guardian of the Galaxy's opening scene, Peter Quill famously announced his superhero name. Oh, and Jumman Hansu's character thoroughly asked, who? In Lee Quill red face. That, that, was, that was classic. <laughs> I don't know which one was better. Yeah. I got leaning all... towards the what if one. Oh, yeah. man. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> T'Challa doesn't even speak his name as Korath immediately recognizes Star-Lord when the outlaw emerges from the shadows. Apparently, he's a massive fan. In Avengers of Infinity War, Bruce Banner wonders whether he should bow to King T'Challa, and thanks to some playful encouragement from Rhodey, Hulk makes a fool of himself by bending the knee in Wakanda. That was classic, too. T'Challa bashfully informs him that we don't do that here. <laughs> Korath repeats this mistake upon meeting Star-Lord in What If? Just as Banner reasoned that T'Challa is a king and therefore he must be bowed to, Korath does the same because he's greeting a lord. Once again, a blushing T'Challa reminds his admirer that bowing isn't necessary. After T'Challa swipes the power stone on Morag, Yondu wistfully remembers how, back in the old days, that the Ravagers would have sold the trinket to the highest bidder had the crews adopted Wakanda not turned them to heroic vigilantes. Again, I don't know which is better, this episode or the movie. Right, yeah. My <laughs> oh, God, it's, it's such a great take. Funnily enough, selling the Power Stone to the highest bidder is exactly what Peter Quill tried on Xandar in Guardians of the Galaxy. Jerk. Leaving Morag to tell <laughs> remind Yondu that had the Ravagers not changed their ways, his adopted father would have only half of his teeth left. That's true. Yep. Sure enough, Michael Ricker's MCU character comes with several gold chompers, whereas... His animated what if part seems to possess a full complement of pearly whites. So weird. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What if Star Lord rides a spaceship similar to Peter Quill's Milano from Guardians of the Galaxy? But whereas the latter was named after the 1980s actress Alyssa Milano, T'Challa has gone highbrow with a homage to uh, South African civil rights pioneer and President Nelson Mandela. 
These guys are so clever, it's killing me. <laughs> the episode then cuts to the origin of the version of Star-Lord who, much like it was original T'Challa, was an adventurous child. It also reminded me of the Kong versus Godzilla movie. Did you guys see that? Yes. Yep. They kept Kong in like a man. He would break it by stripping trees and throwing a spear. And you can see the uh, protective shell. Oh, right. yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And there was a little kid in there, too. Yep. Yeah. After his father, Tachaka, tells him to temper his excitement for exploring, T'Challa ends up in the fields of Wakanda just as the Ravager spaceship arrives on Earth. Super coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> but as the Watcher explains, instead of taking on the mission to find Ego's son himself, in this reality, Yandu sends Craiglin and Taserface, who ends up picking up T'Challa. When Yandu's Ravagers... Have... <laughs> What's that? Taser face. Taser Sorry, face. That is like the when... worst name. I was just watching that. Uh, or that movie too. When Yandu's Ravagers alter the MCU timeline by abducting T'Challa from Wakanda, the framing on the side is exactly the same as Peter Quill's guarding the galaxy origin story. The position of the ship, the beam of the light, T'Challa rooted to the spot. Everything matches except for they got the wrong kid. <laughs> what if episode Craiglin Seen previously in both Guardians of the Galaxy movies. Alongside him, however, is an even more minor character, Taser Face, from the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. He's the one whose face looked like it was Taser. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think it was that bad, but okay. I just love how they had a lot of the the actual characters from the movie doing the voices, too. Not all of them, which I wish right. they would look at all of them, but I felt like it made that so much better here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Sean Gunn managed to put his, his voice into Craiglin. <laughs> I, he did. I have to say, too, when they pick him up, and he's like, yeah, that's the kid. It's like, does he look like Peter Quill? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was awesome. You're sitting there, like, shaking your head going, yeah, you sent these two guys. Right, yeah. Their face, really. <laughs> oh, but back in the present, for a moment, anyway, T'Challa and the Ravagers, including the newly recruited Korath, who he picked up and carried, since he's such a fan, head to the <laughs> galactic watering hole to celebrate their latest score. When T'Challa <laughs> and the other Ravagers celebrate their latest heist in a packed-out space bar, which, it's just kind of funny, it's like, what are they at, like a disco? What's going on here? Some familiar figures can be seen drinking in the balcony above. A distinctive yellow shoulder plate looking much like the uniforms worn by the Nova Corps members. So I miss that one. Again, I have to watch it now that I'm back. You know what? Was there multiple? Or could that have just been Nova, who we haven't seen yet? I think there might have been more than one. I just want to go to that bar. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to be around a lot of people again. But anyway, oh. <laughs> sharing war stories, Yandu jokes that it never hurts to hurt a scroll. It <laughs> makes me wonder what's happening with our n- new-ish, was it the, not Invisible War, Secret Invasion. Yeah. But this, of course, prompts a round of laughter from all, everyone who's nearby. Again, makes me wonder, could one of them be a scroll? Hmm. Right. The scrolls <laughs> are frequent antagonists of the Marvel comic world and debuted in the MCU via Captain Marvel, which showed the shape-shifting race in a more sympathetic light. And we have seen them several times. You guys see that internet rumor? Somebody in the the crew, I guess, let drop that they might be working on a Secret Invasion movie that came out this week. I thought that was actually said at the Marvel press conference. 
thought that was like a go. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think Sinkard Invasion is definitely a go. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. I thought that was like in this next, not this next phase, but like the next, next phase. <laughs> yeah. Because I don't even remember what phase we're in right now with all of this. Yeah. Four. Okay. We're in four? I was thinking five. Yep. So we're yeah, in I think four. that's part of five. Yep. With some of the other movies and, and shows. But anyway, back to what if. But that totally plays into it. Yep. I'm thinking again, not exactly backdoor pilots, but we're going to like sprinkle this in so you hear more about it. T'Challa's presence in the galaxy might have weakened the influence of the Kree, thereby allowing their mortal enemies, the Skrulls, to grow bolder. I don't know, the Skrulls seem so nice, though. He's not <laughs> evil. But fending off the Kree is just the tip of T'Challa's achievements, as what if Star-Lord apparently succeeded in talking down the Mad Titan himself, convincing Thanos that there are better ways of distributing resources than killing off half the universe. Thanos what? now works... <laughs> At the Ravager's favorite bar, what? <laughs> old genocidal ambitions have become a running joke among the gang. This is really strange to me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, how? I mean, Captain Marvel had to, like, beat him down and the rest of them. And T'Challa's just like, let's talk. What? Right. <laughs> The concept of Thanos as a bartender might have come from how it should have ended, a YouTube series, which if you've ever seen those, some of them are hilarious, where the MCU's big bad serves sad beverages at a villain's pub. <laughs> I've seen that one. That was good, though. T'Challa then heads to the bar, and after a brief interaction with bartender Drax, who unfortunately was not voiced by Bautista, he right. runs into Nebula, who was voiced by Karen Gillian, though. Sexy Nebula. Yeah, I don't know about you guys. It was weird seeing her as a blonde. Yeah. <laughs> Both, mostly because I know she's a redhead, and then, well, she's been bald, so. Yeah. Seeing her with, like, all this blonde hair, it's like, what is happening? Hey, by the way, Secret Invasion is going to be a TV series with Samuel L. Jackson and Ben Mendelsohn as Telos. Oh. But rumor I heard this past week is, I don't did you mention Invisible War or something like that? I did, but I don't know if that's right. I think that's the rumor I heard, that the, that's the the, uh, the movie that some like, crew let slip. But uh, Secret Invasion is going to be uh, coming soon to Disney+. Plus. We just don't know when. Yeah. There's yeah. so many things coming, and I'm so excited. <laughs> We're going to have so much content on our Marvel. But anyway. Yep. I was just listening to something this week. Quick aside. Yeah. Uh, you were wondering if it was going to be a James Bond TV series coming to Amazon since they bought MGM. And uh, they were kind of. <laughs> but I guess not, because Broccoli and what's the name of the other guy? Anyway, they did the show from the movies, and they, they just want to keep it unique. They, they kind of intimated that Marvel might be watering things down. Do you think that? Do you get that impression that it might be too much Marvel? I'll tell you right now, I don't think so. No, not at all. I uh, think that they're introducing a whole lot of characters that people didn't know about to get excited about right. you know, everything out there. So I don't think it's watered down. I think it's no. really smart publicity. Okay, sorry. Interlude. <laughs> Well, like I said, we had happy-go-lucky Drax as the bartender, yeah. who happened to reveal that his planet survived and his family are alive, thanks to T'Challa. And again, it's like, wait, what? How? Yeah. <laughs> well, T'Challa got to Thanos <laughs> just before he made it Drax's planet, apparently. Oh, well, that's true, because in the continuity, Thanos ordered Ronan the Accuser to slaughter 50% of Drax's homeworld, but obviously... 
since Star-Lord T'Challa took over, and he's been able to save a whole lot of things. So, But we're not <laughs> sure if it was the same Ronin attack or if it was supposed to be a separate incident. So when exactly did Thanos get turned off of the genocide thing? Either way, right. uh, I guess they, they can't cover everything. They talk about rabbit holes. Oh yeah. <laughs> that may come up again. We never know. Oh, Nebula and T'Challa discuss their past as she saunters up to him and includes, according to Yondu, that Wakanda has now become a barren wasteland before Nebula informs T'Challa of a potential job. Mm. I was a little upset when he said that. I don't know about you guys. Wait, yeah. what? I was really starting to wonder what happened with him gone and what if, again, starts popping in the head, right? Right. So, yeah, me too. And did Yondu just decide to take a side trip to Earth and see if that was actually the case? I'm thinking not. <laughs> yeah, I was just like, how did it happen? How does he know? Yeah. What's going on? There's like a million things going through my head. So hopefully... It's all why, which would suck, but (laughs) better than the other. But Nebula wants the Ravagers to steal the Embers of Genesis, a nutrient-rich cosmic dust from an ancient supernova with the power to terraform entire ecosystems. But guess who has? To start the crossover for the Genesis (laughs) The Genesis device, yeah. Like Tribbles, but in seed form. So that would be funny if they seen Spock in the deep background. Yeah. <laughs> hey, thanks for finding me. <laughs> Where's Waldo kind of thing? Yeah. That would be weird. Now somebody get on that and start looking. But right. apparently the person who has this is none other than the Collector, which no big deal. The Collector was no big threat, right? Right. Uh, apparently after Thanos stepped away and went straight, the Collector decided to step in. So that's kind of weird because he didn't look like the type of person that would do that. Right. <laughs> but again, the whole butterfly effect. One thing changes. Yep. Why Nebula has all her hair, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know how they keep up with all these minutiae. Yeah. It, That's it's when you're weird. supposed to say Gazunite. Somebody's got to have a, I want to say murder board, but just to follow. Right, yeah. Giant <laughs> book. Yep. Come on, let's go to this page. <laughs> but anyway, can we talk a second about Nebula's hair again? Because the hair has changed. She only seemed to have like the one cybernetic implant, it looked like anyway. Right. Because Chala stepped in. So it's like, I guess now she looks more like what she looked like in the comics, which it's really weird because I'd never seen the comics with her. And so now picturing her on screen and then picturing her on television, it's like, wait, so she wasn't supposed to look like this crazy robot thing that would come apart? <laughs> and now, weird. It's hard to like. I got some boomer, not some pre-boomer talk for you, Steve. She was oh, rocking the pre-boomer. <laughs> She's rocking the Veronica Lake look. Right. She was like a psychiatric actress from the 40s and 50s. She always kept the hair locks going down one side of her face. It was a real fad for a while. So, yeah, pre-boomer talk, sorry. <laughs> we call pre-boomer. <laughs> Our parents. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm going to have pre-boomer in my head. But, hey, they have Groomer. convinced T'Challa and Nebula have convinced the rest of them, but mostly Yandu, to accept mission. And where else do they go? Of course, nowhere. That's still in play. And it's so creepy. That's just a giant, like, skull hanging out in yeah. the face. <laughs> but the Collector has a whole group of people helping guard him. The Black Order. 
Now, we've mm. seen these people because these are the same people that were around Thanos. But right. were they ever mentioned previously, guys? Not that I'm aware of, but it wouldn't surprise me if they were. Okay. Because I really had no clue. Yeah, they're probably, I would imagine they're probably somewhere in the Thor lore as well. Thor lore? <laughs> <laughs> Well, we have the dastardly quartet of Ebony Maw, Co-Obsidian, Corvus Glaive, and Proxima Midnight. I once had had kind of like black in their name somewhere. Yep. Oh, maybe that's where it came from. (laughs) Yeah, I'm an idiot, whatever. Yandu, T'Challa, and Nebula sneak in by pretending to be potential clients while Thanos and Korath cause a distraction outside. Yeah, that was that was a great distraction, by the way. <laughs> Among the collectors... I thought it was cool to see them all again. Great characters. Yeah. Yep. Again, so many of them voiced by who was did it in the movies, so it's like, ah! Yeah. Oh, it was like a little squee moment. But the collection, we see things we've seen before. Cosmo the Dog, the character who has appeared both in the comics and the movies. He was a space-faring good boy. <laughs> Once again, prisoner of the collector, which he needs to get bit in the butt for that, but... Yeah. <laughs> we also see a dark elf, which again, we happen to see in the movie. If you were really paying attention, it was rough to see it, but you were able to see it in the movie. You just say rough? rough? Yeah, rough. <laughs> rough, the space dog? Similar to Cosmo, this unfortunate museum piece that already appeared in the movies as a trophy in Guardians of the Galaxy, and if you, of course, remember Thor the Dark World. Howard the Duck, once again, was voiced by Seth Green, joins Cosmo and the Dark Elf as a mainstay from the Collector's Nowhere Museum. But unlike his fellow jailbirds, Howard enjoys slightly more screen time on the Disney Plus version, where he offers T'Challa directions to the embers of the Genesis. He also seemed to be able to get out because he was a martini-loving-esque bird. Yeah. <laughs> I not know exactly where the bar was. Oh, so. went right to it. Yeah, I guess he has more freedom. Who knows? He gets stocked with drinks, but what's that? T'Challa breaks the lock that allowed him to go out. Right. Ah. Right? I saw that scene. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't know if like he had a bunch in there or what was happening. It's like, oh, he knows where the bar is, though. Maybe right. he floats over there and they just like fill it up. Probably <laughs> instinct. Yeah, he's got the, the nose for alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> it goes right to it. <laughs> While they were en route, because T'Challa, like Dave said, you know, shut the door open. He's like, just show me, because you're making me crazy. They're walking along, and our martini-loving bird mentions several species that are there, including Frost Giant, Loki's real people, or could it be Loki, because we don't know. What if? Right. <laughs> the Cronans, which is the rocky race of beings that we see in Thor Ragnarok that Korg belongs to. I didn't catch it, but apparently Steve caught the frost giant when prison is broke, but when they're broken open, I'm sorry. But I don't remember seeing it. Like, yep. right at the very end, there were so many. It felt very zombie. I know. <laughs> and anyone who saw the 1986 solo movie of Howard the Duck, which, first of all, I'm one of those people. I also see Garbage Pail Kids, so no problem. <laughs> but uh, Howard the Duck is pretty randy for a bird. And in Guardians yep. of the Galaxy, he can be seen among the, the collection of the Ravagers at the Iron Lotus, musing a woman with the line, you're out of luck until you've gone duck. <laughs> yeah. You know what? The movie is sticking in my head. Now, yeah. <laughs> like the naked female duck. It was like really weird because she had boobs. <laughs> I'm never going to be able to scrub that out of my mind. And he kisses 
Oh, gosh. Okay, anyway. Howard used more or less the same line in What If when he was... I'm sorry. It's so weird. How is the duck? I'm stuck. When he's guiding T'Challa towards the embers of Genesis, changing the quote to, when you're out of luck, always go duck. <laughs> Howard doesn't last long under the employ of T'Challa, soon finding himself in need of hydration at, oh yeah, the bar that happened to be in the collector's collection. Again, weird. Since the only people that seems to be walking around are T'Challa and his assistant, but you need a whole damn bar. Okay. Well. <laughs> Oh, I'm just saying. Oh. I had to let I dock a bar too. You know yeah. why not? <laughs> as big as that place is, yeah, you get thirsty yeah. just walking around admiring your collection. Well, and I'm sure he has. It, uh, he hosts like a people. drink. Yeah, it was a robot bartender, so I guess that makes sense. It's not just some rando walking around in there. And it seemed to be the same one that we've seen serving Valkyrie on Sakaar in Ragnarok. So let's pop back outside for a minute because Proxima Midnight made quick work of those Ravagers. Yeah, it was like one little zap and they're all down. Right. And then they realize this is just a distraction. So they sound the alarm. And of course, great. Now everybody has to hurry up and do what they need to do. So Chala abandons Howard and ends up in a garage with very familiar looking spacecraft. One happens to be from Wakanda and everything kind of lights up along with his necklace. So that was yeah. weird. But we see a bunch of other parked vessels. We see a variation of the Milano, Captain Marvel's prototype jet, an X-Wing fighter, which had to be the way that they snuck in Star Wars. Yes. Because they <laughs> wanted to do a crossover with Luke. So it's like, all right, let's do something. The Grandmaster ship, a Zandarian ship, one of Ronin's necrocraft, Ant-Man quantum bubble ship. How the hell did that get there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that had me questioning. It's like, what? But obviously, we have found the most interesting with Star Wars because it wasn't part of the MCU, obviously, but they're all part of the same big family. Yep. Is that Red 5? Isn't that Luke ship Red 5? Oh, God. Was that Red 5? I was trying to think what it was, and I'm like, now they may not have officially said that it was an X-Wing fighter, but you know, the similarities are pretty hard to ignore. Yeah. But interestingly enough, after T'Challa goes into the Wakanda ship, he stumbles upon a message from his father who is still searching for him. So they have gone beyond just the normal... Well, I can't even say normal because Wakandan stuff was not normal. But beyond what they were at on Earth to search the stars for him. So obviously he figured things went way further than they were able to find on Earth, which is like, holy crap, this is crazy. But yeah, there was so much stuff. I'm sorry. Yes, it was. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, before he can process the bombshell, T'Challa is double-crossed by Nebula. Ravengers are all placed in a holding cell where T'Challa is able to confront Yondu about the lies he told him. But just as the discussion begins, Corvus Glaive comes to collect T'Challa and bring him to the collect. Thankfully, Nebula breaks the Ravengers out and reveals the whole mission was a ruse to steal the embers right out from the collector's nose. And with them in Nebula's possession, Star-Lord begins his escape with some help from Karina. Now, as T'Challa's final battle against the beefed-up Collector begins, we see Star-Lord pouncing from one cell to another cell, using his hands and feet much like a panther. This scene nods toward T'Challa's true MCU destiny as Wakanda's Black Panther, who adopts a very similar fighting style. Despite boasting a warehouse full of fable weapons, 
Collector's first option is the severed arm of a rock-based life form, which he confirms was taken from a terribly chatty Cronin. Oh, no. Ouch. That was Wait a minute. awful. <laughs> I think we all know who that is. Chatty? Yeah. <laughs> Did they just kill Korg? Kyle, oh, man. What a TV's hilarious do? character from Thor Ragnarok and Avengers Endgame. How dare them? <laughs> Naturally, a rock arm isn't the only weapon in the collector's arsenal, as he soon unveils a crate full of swords, knives, and other assorted ways to hurt his enemies. Now, among the collection is Captain America's iconic shield and Thor's hammer. Though he chooses... Yeah, Mjolnir. Mjolnir. Everyone say it. Mjolnir. 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 Though he chooses neither in a battle against T'Challa, the Easter egg raises in... Tricking questions over whether the Collector might have actually defeated the Avengers in the altered timeline. I hmm. want to know if he's what able the hell? to lift Mjolnir. What the hell? Yeah. yeah. He could have yeah. picked the Vibranium Shield or the Asgardian Hammer forged in the heart of a dying star. Instead, the Collector <laughs> opts for a tiny blade that belonged to the MCU's most forgettable villain. <laughs> the Collector uses a curved dagger forged in dark matter. The same weapon was brandished by Christopher Eccleston's Malik in Thor Dark World. Realizing the puny dagger was probably a mistake, the Collector puts on Hela's spiky black headgear and wields her formidable necro sword instead. Let me tell you, I see a mock-up of that helmet. That thing was huge. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm he just looked thinking... like he, was, he came across as some type of cross. <laughs> he looks so weird. I'm like, what the heck? I would also like to know how Benicio felt about getting super buff on screen without having to do all the crazy work that like all the other guys had to do. Yes. He's like, yeah, <laughs> look at so me. Weird. <laughs> but his head looked so small when he put on the giant yes. helmet. <laughs> like something doesn't look right. What was the name of the character or actor that was in Thor Ragnarok? He was like he was a like a collector too, and he was also he was also from the first Jurassic Park movie. What everyone loves him. What's his name? It's my mind right now. Oh yeah, he's known Played for by, um... yeah, yeah yeah Goldblum yeah yeah. Oh, he was the, he's known uh, for his Grandmaster. Uh... Yes, Grandmaster. Yeah, Grandmaster. He's known for uh, sporting some abs too. And when I saw this, I couldn't help but think because I want to homage to him for this new collector. <laughs> I want to see him in the next video game, like fighting video game, like looking like this. So. Right. <laughs> I think that'd be great. Totally off script, but yeah, I think it'd be great. So he defeated Hela then? Yeah, like, apparently. Collect, or had somebody go collect Hela's helmet that was floating out in space? Because I mean, technically, yeah, he's never maybe. defeated the people. Maybe he was just sending people to collect them. Right. It's very age. possible. Okay. Yeah. Right. But he is super buff. Yeah. Well, the head rub and sword flick he does while saying that woman had taste represents a very close recreation of Hela's own pose when she returned and summoned her helmet in Thor Ragnarok. With their leader busy, the Ravengers try to escape, only to be met by the Black Order. And Thanos decides to take them on alone, despite concern from his daughter. As Thanos goes up against his former subordinates, he endures a huge hammer blow from Call Obsidian, barely catching the weapon and grimacing to the camera as he takes its weight. This particular shot is a close approximation of Obsidian's New York fight against Spider-Man in Avengers Affinity War. Here it's Peter taking the brunt of Glaive's attack, but making a very similar facial expression in a mirror image camera angle. 
Mad Titan begins to lose the battle, but Nebula arrives just in the nick of time and helps her father make quick work of their former allies. How about a, a little homeward bound action? Inside the base, while Yondu helps T'Challa in his fight against the Collector, Pear has a tough time keeping up with their opponent. Just like how Episode 1 recalled elements of Captain America, the first Avengers soundtrack, What If, Episode 2, teases the music of Black Panther in several scenes. Teases. The biggest audio <laughs> Easter egg, however, is the... They shouldn't do that to me. The biggest audio Easter egg, however, is the Guardians of the Galaxy theme playing when Yondu dramatically rescues T'Challa in the final fight. Even if you don't hear it, subconsciously you do. You're like, yeah. oh. <laughs> People always say, did you hear that music? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I tune out some of the music. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's there and you... it. I can't remember the movie offhand, but it's like, it's there to make you know how you need to feel. Yes. Yes. My standard answer is, yeah, don't worry. I heard it the third time. <laughs> Without any other options, they steal the collector's armband, which controls all the cages and lets the being he's held prisoner do what they want with him. Yikes. In a fascinating piece of brotherly symmetry, the collector's ultimate fate in What If? Episode 2 neatly matches that of his sibling, the Grandmaster in Thor Ragnarok. Taika Waititi's 2018 effort ended with Jeff Goldblum left to the mercy of its disgruntled subjects after being deposed from power. Oh, I have a feeling they're like bridge can't kill him. <laughs> by the time T'Challa and the Ravagers are done, what ifs? Collector finds himself surrounded by the army of living exhibits he previously imprisoned for fun. It was very living deadish too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The pair escape in a Wakandan ship with T'Challa deciding to take his found family to meet his real one on Earth. What if? Episode 2 contains a number of Black Panther cameos. When T'Challa makes his triumphant return to Wakanda, his sister Shuri can be seen to the left and his mother Romanda sits to the right what no speaking lines i so wanted to hear angela bassett yeah no kidding they get everyone else <laughs> Of course, there's also King Tachaka. After been searching for his long-lost boy for 20 years and once again voiced by John Connie, just as What If flips Star-Lord's name by revealing Korath is a massive fan of T'Challa, the final sequence changes Yondu's reaction to meeting his son's real father. With Ego in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, there was a paternal rivalry between Michael Rooker's Ravager and Kurt Russell's Living Planet. He ain't your daddy and all that. In stark contrast, Yondu couldn't be happier to meet King Tachaka. Well, that's because Ego is kind of a jackass. I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah. Ego, uh, he's got a... Getting the ego side of a planet. Yeah. <laughs> also, re <laughs> also reprising her live action role is Daniel Guri as Okoye, who is briefly spotted chatting to Thanos of all people during the during the episode's final moments. Aside from Okoye and Thanos bonding over the de definition of genocide, wow. The what if episode two ending sees Kraglin discussing two jump points with a member of Wakanda's welcoming committee. These galactic wormholes have cropped up several times in the MCU, usually when someone needs to get across the cosmos very quickly for plot purposes, but most notably in Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2 when Yondu made a series of rapid jumps to reach Ego. Speaking of Ego, the Gardens of the Galaxy Volume 2 villain didn't forget about Peter Quill, despite Yondu picking up the wrong child in 1988, or a stupid henchman. <laughs> he, he pays adult Peter a visit to the very end of What If Episode 2 and his live-action MCU ship can be spotted parked outside, because who doesn't do that? Right. Far, <laughs> far from a, a life of danger and adventure as Guardian of the Galaxy What If version of Peter Quill has been mopping up spilled milkshakes back on Earth. I think we've all done that. Yep. Yep. In a subtle connection to his original MCU character. However, Quill is still listening to 1980s mixtape left behind by his late mother and wears exactly the same orange and black headphones he originally took into space. In a final Peter Quill Easter egg, 
He goes, a string chun is seen working at a Dairy Queen in the what if present day. This is the same restaurant featured in the Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2's history lesson where Ego shared his spawn with Meredith Quill. Did we have to use the word spawn? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the restaurant is destroyed when Ego initiates his evil plan but remains standing in the altered continuity. So there's a couple things that kind of are shown in this what if then. One is... Basically, no matter what T'Challa did, since Ego showed up, it's all for naught. Right. <laughs> yeah, I know. Why and do I do that? <laughs> yeah, it's like, that felt like, oh, look at all this good that happened if this changed. But, wah, 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 you don't get to mm-hmm. keep it. Yeah. The other thing I have to ask, and it's been bugging the crap out of me, why did they call him Star-Lord? <laughs> because the whole point of the name Star-Lord was what Peter's mom gave to him. So that doesn't make any sense at all to me. I like to say that's what Google for, but I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is another strange choice. I wonder if they get tied up in their own what if not. Yeah, because I, I was going down rabbit holes trying to find like, oh, what what did we miss? What was in the collector's collection and what was in this? And nothing mentioned Star-Lord. <laughs> but people have been asking the same question like all over any of these articles. So like nothing in the article said anything, but everybody who responded is like, why are they calling him Star-Lord? That doesn't makes sense right do you suppose this is a stretch there was a scouting mission to earth originally and they got the right information to start with but mm-hmm. then those two dopes showed up yeah, and picked up the totally wrong messed guy, it up yeah, and yeah just yeah. started calling uh, star lord so yeah, like I they heard that. like the mom saying it or something yeah in the original okay. mission because that's why they went to earth oh well yeah how's that so. how's that <laughs> Plausible, better explanation than anything i found so <laughs> okay <laughs> Good job, Dave. All right. (laughs) Well, we'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 6 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us, as there are plenty of other Marvel podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and I hope you're enjoying our podcast. And don't forget to check out the other great fans. Fangirl Zone podcast. There's so many of our podcasts, such as the Mudhorn Clan cast. You know, you might really enjoy that <laughs> because there's something on it called Spear Talk on occasion. So <laughs> just we check there? it out. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget to check out the website, www.fangirlzone.com. It's so much easier to click the contact page to find all of the ways to get a hold of us because we're pretty much everywhere. Kind of like American Express used to be. But I digress. For this episode of the Marvelous post-blip podcast. I'm Steve. Sure, I don't know. All humans look alike to me. I'm Sean Fangirl. And that's it. <laughs> I don't. I can't think of what I did. <laughs> <laughs> but you know who you are. That's important. I know. Kind of Dave. Am I, Steve? <laughs> mischievous. Oh yeah, thanks. And this is mischievous Dave or mischievous Dave. And if I lived in Wakanda, I would find someone to hold my spear. <laughs> There is nothing wrong with your internet. Do not attempt to adjust your settings. We are controlling the podcast. We control the squealing and the screams. We can make your heart flutter, your eyes blur from tears, or sharpen your mind to crystal clarity. For the next hour, sit back. We are in control of what you hear. We repeat. There is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering 
the fangirl zone.